Today's scripture reading comes from the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 12, verses 1 through 10. I must go on boasting. Though there is nothing to be gained by it, I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up in the third heaven. Whether in body or out of body, I do not know. God knows. I know that this man was caught up into paradise. Whether in body or out of body, I do not know. God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. On behalf of this man, I, I will boast. But on my own behalf, I will not boast, except of my weaknesses. Though if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool. For I would be speaking the truth, but I refrain from it, so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. So to keep me from becoming conceited, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I'll boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This is the word of the Lord. Last week, last week, I gave you a really big message. And I took you from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, where it says this odd verse. It says, the first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. And I talked about the deep problem of living in this human life where our humanity is like Adam. Adam, the man of dust, the humanity of dust. And we're always worried that because we are, we're always trying to cover up and, and deny this reality that this is all we are. And since this is all we are, we can feel this thing that constantly, that maybe we're just nothing. Maybe I'm nothing. And thus, we get to find something else that gives us worth. That's so much the pursuit of human life in the man of dust. But in the union with Christ, we are given a chance to be united to the man of heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of dust. But as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. And just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, because that's what we are, are. we're all we're walking around, and the image that people see, and that you and I see when we're into the mirror and looking at ourselves, is the man who's always worried that we're just nothing in dust. And we're going to become nothing and die. Thus we have to become something. We have to have some worth. But the promise of the gospel is just as we have borne the image of the man of dust. We shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. This is union with Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 40, 45 to 49. That's where I started last week. And then I took you to. A passage that many of you know, and maybe you haven't really wrestled with, that is Genesis chapter 3. 
In Genesis chapter 1, God makes all things. It's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. Oh, he, he makes, he makes, he makes uh, human beings, it's very good. He has the first marriage. He says, be fruitful, multiply. And human beings are said to be made in the image of God. Chapter 2, it's all beautiful. And God has his first marriage. And there's this glorious verse at the end of chapter 2 that says the man and the woman were naked, but they were not ashamed. Right? And when I say this part, they were naked, but not ashamed, it's absolutely in contrast to the man of dust. That you and I, you know why we can't be naked in front of other people? I'm not even talking about physical naked. Of course, we're not going to be physical naked. I mean, you know, you can't actually see, you know, those parts of me. But even more so, more than the clothing that we use to cover up our physical nakedness, you know what we're always doing? We're always, we always have to cover up our inner soul nakedness. In our soul nakedness, we're a bunch of dust. And so we worry and we can feel, I'm nothing. I'm nothing. And so the way we cover up the soul nakedness is with boasting. That's how we do it. I'm taking you through a, 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 a deep piece of, of biblical theology. It took me from 1 Corinthians 15 which is a commentary on Genesis 1, 2, and 3. Genesis 3. What happens? The devil comes to Adam and Eve. He tells them a lie, a half-truth, an 80% truth. You, are, you could be like God. And I taught you last week you, that they are already made just like God, to be in the image of God. But then there's this twist, this horrible twist. He, he promised them you could be like God but then you can grasp after his power. But that wasn't God's will. God made us like him to be like his holiness. To be like his holiness. And instead, now, the man of dust, and that's us, what we do is we run through life grasping after power. Power. Just like Adam and Eve did. And with that power, you know what we're looking for? We're looking for a boast. We're looking for a boast. And that boast covers up this nakedness, this nothingness inside of our soul. That's a much worse nakedness than your physical nakedness. Because we just cannot let anybody see the nothingness of our soul. It must be covered up. And the way we do that is from this passage boasting. You following me here now? All right, let's get into it. Part one, the boast of power covering up the nothingness of dust. Part one, the boast of power covering up the nothingness of dust. Part two, praying for power and boasts. Praying for power and boasts. There's a really very, very sick and serious problem with American Christianity. Maybe not even just American. Maybe just 21st century Christianity around the world. We seek power and boasts. In other words, when we're, even, we're praying, we're praying to be like the man of dust. We want the Christianity shaped, shaping us so we can get more of what we want 
in our dusty nothingness. That's so often what we're looking for. But that is not what the union with Christ offers, okay? And part three, the holiness of Christ meeting our weakness. The holiness of Christ meeting our weakness. I gave you a quick review. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, this incredible this, this discussion about the nature of the resurrection. And now when we believe in Jesus, we're united to the humanity of Jesus who has conquered sin and death. That's why he's the man of heaven. It didn't say we're, we're, we are the God of heaven. You already know he's the God of heaven. The incredible thing is the God of heaven became a man so that human beings who are of the dust and the nothingness of dust, just like Adam, can be made just like the man of heaven. That's what that passage is about. And now I want to just take you back to this thing that I already just kind of hit at in, the, in, the, in, in, in my intro, because this part is really, really important to help you understand this passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And so last week I said to you, there's the way that God made us to be like him in his image. And then there's the way the devil says, here's the carrot. Here's the little twist and the lie that says you can be like him, which God never intended. And this is at the at this core of, it's like all sin. So let's just do a quick review. There are the communicable attributes of God. And then there are the incommunicable attributes of God. You, attributes are just like, you know, of what are you like, you know? Some of you are six feet tall. Some of you are five foot two. That's your attribute, okay? You know, some of you weigh 180 pounds. Some of you weigh 100 pounds. You know, those are your attributes. But God has attributes. And the theologians have two big categories. The incommunicable attributes. So you guys know what communicable and incommunicable is. So a communicable disease is one you can catch. An incommunicable disease is one you can't catch. So if a person has liver cirrhosis and they hang out with you, you don't have to worry about your liver because it's not communicable. You're not going to get it. <laughs> you're not going to visit somebody who's suffering from liver problem and you're like, man, I'm really worried that I'm going to get it, right? But COVID, COVID-19, this coronavirus, that's very, very communicable, right? Flu, cold, all kinds of other things are very communicable. So God gave us, has attributes that he, he cannot give to anybody else, but then there are attributes that he can give to others. And the incommunicable attributes are like this, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, especially omnipotent. Omnipotent literally means omni, all, potency, all-powerful, all-powerful. We love that one. Those are the ones we're always interested in. And in our life, you know what we're doing? We're always wanting that. But the other one, which is the one he really wanted us to have, his joy, his humility, his self-giving, his holiness, his love with joy, <laughs> his joy that's steadfast. It's his great self-control, which is always self-controlled in his love and his joy for us. That's all holiness. Right? And you know what? That's the way we were meant to be. That's the way we were meant to be like God, image God, His holiness. And then if we, especially in a city like ours, 
but, but we're not really interested in those things, okay? We're not really interested in those attributes. And that's why we're really human beings more like the devil. That's the horrible part of it. To be like the man of dust, that's to be more human like the devil. Now, okay, let's get to this thing. Now, let's get to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. That background's important. Now, this is just for the sake of time. We're kind of jumping into the middle of a discussion. You know, if you go back a little in chapter 11, I want to go ahead, you know, if you have some time, but just for the sake of time today, I'm not going to do all that. Go home and take a look at chapter 11. And just say, we'll say something about this before we get into um, first. It's not first, it's second Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. This is one of the most profound discussions I know of in all literature anywhere. The Second Corinthians, this book is one of the most profound books ever written. And it's really sad to me that most American Christians have never really chewed on it. And we're not interested in it. <laughs> American Christianity generally is not interested in Second Corinthians because the book is about suffering. The book is about weakness. And here, inside of suffering and weakness, Paul addresses the topic of boasting. And what's happening, is, is what happening here is that this church, this church which he started, now they say, we don't even think you're like a real pastor. You know, you're not a real apostle. And this book and, and it is a, it's a, strange, it's a defense of the fact that I really do, I really am called by Jesus. I really am a real pastor. I really do know the real gospel. And the way he begins to do that defense is he seeks a defense through what he calls the boasting in weakness. That's really strange. It's completely, it's completely weird. <laughs> and it's weird because we always think like the man of dust. That's why it's weird. We're always into the humanity that's all its values and its expectations that's constantly fixated on the Adam way of life. Not the heavenly man's way of life, the dust man's way of life, the devil man's way of life. That's why it's so weird. So let me see, let's just get into this. So he is saying, I'm going to have all these boasts. And his boasts are strange. If you go to the previous chapter, he talks about all the ways he suffered. All the ways he suffered, was persecuted. It makes like no sense to the American 21st century modern mind. And then he goes on to say this, okay? Chapter 12, verse 1. I'll go on boasting, though there's nothing to be gained by it. I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ. Okay, so let's just, just quickly stop there. I know a man who's united to Christ. I know a man who is in the heavenly humanity of Jesus Christ. I know a man who operates not in the dusty man of Adam, but in Christ. You see that? It's union with Christ. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up in the third heaven, whether in the body or the body, I don't know. God knows. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise, whether in the body or the body, I do not know. God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. On behalf of this man, 
I can boast. But on my own behalf, I will not boast except of my weaknesses. That's a very strange construction. Because we all know he's talking about himself. He's talking about a man who is he himself. And he says, that guy I could boast about, but let me tell you about me, <laughs> which is really strange. He flips it. Here's the only thing I'm going to boast about, my weaknesses. Verse 6, though if I should boast, I would not be a fool, for I would be speaking the truth, but I refrain from it so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me to keep me from becoming conceited. I mean, like, uh, Paul, didn't you just say that part again? What, what, say that part again? Did you miss that? To keep me from becoming conceited, God actually thought it was a good idea that a messenger from Satan, he actually let something, some, like something from, something demonic from hell to come and afflict me. Why? Well, well okay, well, just in case you missed it, to keep me from being conceited. Therefore, he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may dwell, may rest upon me. I want to I ask you this question. What in your life um, do you boast of? Pastor, I, 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 don't, I don't brag about anything. I don't do any boasting. I don't know what you're talking about. Come on, let's get real here. Okay, let's get real here. Everybody boasts of something unless they hate themselves. Those are the only people that boast of anything. They, they hate themselves. You know what they hate themselves? Because they have no boasts. You know what we're looking for to have a boast? Some power. Some kind of power. So in the 21st century in America, power is usually things like money. Money. You ever think of money as power? That's what it is. It's actually, it's not the paper. It's not fundamentally a number. It's that when you walk in the world, you're not weak. You can get stuff. You can get people to do stuff for you. You're not nobody. How about this one? You're not dependent on other people to do things for you because you have power, which is saying you have money <laughs> because I can do it. You know, um, uh, my wife and I were going to take a long trip to Korea this summer. You know what's on my mind all the time about it? The budget of it. When I talked to my dad about it, he said, I'm sorry, Susang. I don't have anybody that you can go stay with because his brothers passed away. You know what he's saying? So you're going to have to spend your own money to find a place to stay. And when I was looking at places to stay in Seoul, I was saying, gosh, that's expensive. <laughs> so you know what I'm finding out? 
Gee, my power is less, so I need help. It's part of it. But let's just, let's just do other things. Um, you go out into the world and you wear clothes. What clothes do you wear? What clothes do you wear? Um, we, we had a brother up here, just, just up here. I mean, these are, these are the kind of things a crazy pastor notices, okay? <laughs> he has a shirt. And on this shirt, it says Patagonia. <laughs> it says Patagonia, okay? About, about three years ago, if somebody wore a shirt, shirt or anything that says Patagonia, I would say, what's Patagonia? <laughs> I would have been like, what the heck is Patagonia? And then my sister-in-law gave me this really, really nice sweatshirt. And what did it say on it? Patagonia. <laughs> and when I put it on, I was like, oh, dude, this, this is really, really, really nice. <laughs> right? And it costs a pretty good chunk of money, which I don't have the power. In other words, I don't have the money. I would never have bought this for me. But, you know, it goes on there. And so now sometimes if I'm like in a, so if I do a video for you guys on YouTube, and if I'm wearing that thing, I get a little like, ooh, I just kind of go, ooh. That little, I'm like, am I doing like marketing for Patagonia on, on my church's video? You know what I'm talking about here? You wear clothes. It has certain names on it. It has, has a certain look. It has a certain cost. But how come your clothes don't say, this, like, I, I put this on, and then, how come there's no, how come nobody has a sign on the back of their shirt that says, bought this at, at Goodwill? <laughs> nobody has that. Bought this at Goodwill. Has any you ever, anybody ever shopped at Goodwill? It's actually a pretty good place to shop. <laughs> it's actually a pretty good place to shop. Why? Because it's super cheap. And Americans, we have so much stuff we give away stuff to the poor people, which is sometimes pretty good stuff. But you would never tell anybody, I bought this at Goodwill. Because just something super basic, the clothes we wear, is part of our boast. It's to put on and cover up the nakedness of nothingness. Of our dustiness. Okay? Um... Why, did you, why do you choose the neighborhood that you choose to live in? Okay, the, the schools there are really, really good. Come on. Why, why, why does your house have to look a certain way? Why does your kitchen have to have like this, you know, this cool... I, I, I have this. If you come to my house, you'll see that we have this refrigerator. The style of the refrigerator is really dated. Okay? It's this black refrigerator. Nobody buys black refrigerators anymore. And it's uh, this one, it's, it's a kind that's got like the, 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 the door, the freezer door opens on the top and the freezer door opens this way on the bottom, not like the cool ones that go like this, oh, you know, like the French door, one. Oh, the French door, okay? All right, those ones, right? Uh, it's, it's, a, it's this really old boring ones, the one on the top and then the one on the bottom. And, and uh, when I, you know what those refrigerators cost versus the ones that they're the real, I mean, I'm not trying to make any of you feel bad, okay? So don't, don't, don't get on, don't like, oh my. Gosh, I feel really, he's making me feel really bad about myself now. But the, 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 the new cool ones cost like $2,000. Ours cost $500. And 
That's because I don't have enough boats to buy a 2000 You know what? I want one of those $2,000 ones too. <laughs> and when you come to my house, you're like, whoa, pastor's got a cool refrigerator. But now you can come to my house and he's a really old style, boring, super functional, like that's, like, that's it. Like the kind, you, you know, you, no, no, nobody wants. Why? Because we want, like we, we have good taste. We have enough money. We have good things. That's just one basic piece of boast. Where'd you go to school? Where do you work? What's on your resume? It's all some piece of boasting. It's all the stuff that covers up the nothing. And underneath it is some power. How about um, what shampoo you choose? What cologne you use? What, okay, what, what, um, Clay, hair clay mold do you use? <laughs> Actually, uh, uh, research that, okay? So I can use a good one. So I don't look like messy and unpresentable. It's part of the boast. This is Adamic, dust-filled life, okay? And I want to say one more thing before I move on. If you don't have a boast... You're really, really insecure. We're really, really insecure. When we meet people, you will now, every now and then, meet a person who has no boast. You have these people, we have these people in our life who have no boast. They're lying on the street, they're begging, they have no boast. There are people in our lives that have no boast. So they're depressed. Nobody cares about me. I don't even care about me. And you have a boast on these things. And that in this circle of friends, that boast seems to be okay enough. You don't feel like a nothing with these circle of friends. But then you walk into a room at work or at a party or something like this, and you meet somebody else. And then you size up everybody else, and you're like, Oh, 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 whoa, whoa. I mean, this boast is better. Not mine don't really fly here. Everybody, well, that woman over there, my gosh, her, her hair is so much better than mine. Her dress is so much better than mine. And everybody here, like, they, they talk smarter than me. And I, I, I can't hang here. Because your boast doesn't work in this circle. <laughs> And then this insecurity thing just starts to arise. You remember when you were in high school? And those people you hated in high school? Why did you hate them? Because they had a boast where yours can't hang. If you weren't like cool enough, or you weren't pretty enough, or if your car wasn't nice enough, you can't be in that circle. They don't want you in that circle and you don't want to be around that circle and because your insecurity actually resents them. This is human life. Okay, let's, let's go to part two. Part two. Um, 
I want to talk about something really deep, and it's a problem that I see inside of American Christianity. Among, among, among Christians, I've just seen this. I've pastored this, okay? Which is, a person is a Christian, they accepted Jesus when they were 12 or 16 or 8 or 22, and now they're 28 or they're 35 or they're 45, and now they're mad at God. They're disliking God. And somewhere along the line, God let them down. I'm mad at God. Maybe you're going through it right now. Okay, my version, I've shared this with you, you is when I was in my PhD program, I was making like no money. (laughs) See, no power. And I was a PhD student. And and so I didn't have my PhD. So, you know, I could say I'm in a PhD program and people go, whoa, it's like you're really smart about that. But, but, you know, I don't want to let them see that like my bank account is in the negative and I was feeling really sorry for myself. And I felt like not enough of a man or a husband or as a father. But I'm a Christian. <laughs> I'm a good Christian. In fact, I'm, I'm an ordained pastor. And I'm studying theology. And I was really mad at God. <laughs> but I would never admit it. <laughs> if you ask me, I, because that's how crazy a person can be. He's going through something, it's at the center of his being. But in his head, he is in total denial. (laughs) Because his righteousness, his righteousness, not the righteousness of Christ, the Adamic righteousness, the righteousness where he's covering up the nothingness of his death with his Christianity, with his PhD, you know, like program in theology, with his covering it up with the boast of being an ordained pastor, but deep down feeling like a nothing as a father and as a husband because our bank account is in the negative and I can't provide this, this, or that for my son or my daughter. And because of my nothingness, my marriage is going like this, boom. But I'm not mad at God. I just don't ever pray. I just don't ever read the Bible I'm not really listening to him. I'm just mostly, if I talk to him, you know what I'm asking for? Power. Is there some way we can get some more money? Is there some way we could fix this problem? Because you know what I hate? I hate being weak. That's what I hate. I hate being weak. I'm not really proud to tell you these things about myself. But can't you relate? Isn't this just you? I'm your pastor and I love you. Some of you are afraid of me. (laughs) The pastor will see these things about me. Oh my goodness, you'll see that I'm a bad Christian. (laughs) Don't worry, okay? I already see it. Don't worry, you can't cover it up. <laughs> you can't hide, so psh, come on. So it's just might as well stop that fakery. Don't worry about this. I already know you're not good at this or this or you know, whatever, okay? But I just see in you the same junky 
dying man of dust that I was. And that's why I preach to you this crazy stuff. Union with Christ. Union to the man of heaven. So you can have the image of God that's more than power. It's a very strange thing. It's a very, very strange thing. I will boast in my weakness. Take the 50-year-old Susang, transport him back in time to the 34-year-old Susang, and say, hey, hey, dude, let me show you a Bible passage. <laughs> you even know this passage. You even tell people that 2 Corinthians chapter 9 you know, my grace is sufficient for you. It's made per perfect in weakness. You love this passage, don't you, Susan? <laughs> Look at what the heck are you talking about? You know what we regularly pray for from God? I hate being weak. Can you just give us some power so this can like, go away? That's the American way. It's the American Christian way. And then when he doesn't do it, it's Cold War. Or you, some kids, they're like the millennials, they're more authentic. F this. <laughs> they just start going to church. I'm not a Christian anymore. Right? There's actually a term for it now. It's called the ex evangelical, ex evangelical, or something like this. I was like, weird, okay? There, there are actually coaches. For ex-evangelicals. There's like someone who's coaching you how to like throw away your Christianity. It's crazy. Okay, it's like that's, by the way, that's all totally from the devil. Ex-evangelical coaches that just like the serpents, you can get more power. See, all that stuff was BS. But when, when Jesus lets you still be in weakness and doesn't just give you power, you know what he's doing? He's loving you. Because when Jesus came to be human, he didn't say, well, let's have a discussion about this, Father. So I'm going to go down, and be, go down there and said, all right, so I would like to live in that castle. And like, I, I, I would like a father and a mother with awesome connections. And I, I need to go to the best schools, you know, because like my father and his awesome connections will go to the best schools. And then I'll get to go to the best schools then I'll have those connections. And by the way, I would like to be like six foot four and like really good looking. And, and uh, so that I'll just talk and the men will all want to be like me. All the, all the women will want me. <laughs> and then this is the way I will like influence everybody to follow you, God, because I'll have power. <laughs> this, is, this is the way we're going to do it. <laughs> In American evangelicalism today, if the church is bigger, and if the church has celebrities, and if the pastors are cool, it's a good church. Kind of, isn't it? But if the church is small, and if the people are poor, and some have cancer, and some are depressed, and some people decide to check out the church because they have no boast, and last week they were living on the street, Nobody wants to go to that church. Who wants to go to that church? 
But when Jesus chose the pathway to be the man of heaven, when God said, here's, the, here's your humanity pathway, your first bed can be the worst baby bed of all time. We call it a manger. That gets to be your bed. And the best thing you'll ever do in your whole life will be to be crucified in utter incredible weakness. Jesus came to be weak. Jesus came to be weak. So that it would not be cheap talk that holiness is better than power. That love and joy and hope and peace and grace and generosity is bigger than money. It's bigger than health. It's greater than a good degree. Weakness. If we don't actually have weakness, we would only just get power. <laughs> Let's get power. Okay, I got power. Good. You know why so many people don't believe in Jesus today? Well, if they have enough power, they'll never come to Jesus. If there's sufficient power in their life, they always choose the power. Because the dust thing is working. <laughs> I have enough. I have enough boast. And the boast is good enough. But when God lets us be so weak that we can see the boast is worthless. That's when a person is ready for Jesus. That's actually when a person is ready for heaven. That's when a person is actually wanting God. That's when a person wants union with Christ. Let me close. There is this verse. It's the life verse for me and grace. We love this verse. Not that we're really good at it. My grace is sufficient for you. Paul had this affliction. He had this weakness. It actually comes from the devil. I don't exactly know what it was. I don't exactly know what it was. There's something in him. I don't know. Is it in his soul? Is it in his body? Whatever it was, it was an affliction and a weakness. And it's quite terrible. And he asked three times, Jesus, fix it. <laughs> fix it. Fix it, please. And then I'll know you're good. <laughs> and the answer was really quite extraordinary. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Let me say this a little differently. My humanity is sufficient for you. For when your humanity is made like my humanity, you can handle the weakness. <laughs> you know, when the power is made perfect, perfect doesn't mean like no chinks in the armor. No, okay, that's not what perfect means here. 
That's kind of the way the 21st century American thinks about perfect. Perfect is perfect. Everything like too super perfect. There's no like mistakes at all. Perfect means complete. To be made completed. So we are incomplete, and his power is coming to make us complete. His powers make it complete so we can have more power? No. That's Genesis chapter 3, the satanic way that we believe and we want all the time. And then we pray to God like, you know, and then we get angry at God. You know, we're not even praying to the real God. When we pray like that, we're praying to the God that we want to just fix the weakness and give us power. We're actually praying like the devil. But Jesus comes to say, pray to me. I have something better for you. Not money. Not health. Not just a better job. My humanity will complete you in the weakness. My image, the image of God in me, as opposed to the image of the devil in you. The image of the devil in you, which is the way you are, like the man of dust, like Adam, Instead, I'll give you my image, the image of the resurrection, and that will complete you in your weakness. I want you to think about this. If we were intended to become powerful like God, weakness would just be terrible. I mean, that's just the big problem. So weakness would be the big, big, big problem. But if we were intended to be holy like God, humble like God, to have a steadfast love which can never break, including in front of the most broken people, prostitute, tax collector, just arrogant Pharisee, lepers, the rejected, the hated, the wrong ethnicity, poor people and rich people, both alike, Steadfast love in all of them. If that's the case, then weakness isn't a problem. Weakness is actually helpful. Because when you love somebody, even though you are weak, then they will know you don't just love them in your power. God is alive in you. And Jesus is loving them you. That's what it'll be like. So we're in part 13. Is that where we are? Yes, part 13 of this series. Took 13 sermons. So I could say that to you. <laughs> it's, it's good to be weak. It's fine to be weak. And then if we give our lives to Jesus, all that is wrecked and terrible in us, all our sinful ways that we seek God and try to turn him into the God of power, to the God of fix it and give me more power so I can have a boast and I'll feel better about myself. Then I'll have a happy life. <laughs> I'll have a happy life because I have power and boast. And Jesus prefers to say, I think that there's a better way. I'll let you stay weak and find out that the grace of union with me is far more than power.
far more than boast. And when you love somebody, when you love them, and they got no, no boast, and you have no boast, when your boast is your weakness, when your boast is only me, because that's actually the ultimate thing that we believe in Christianity. You know how we are saved? The Almighty God took on weakness in humanity. The Almighty God took on weakness in humanity. And you know what saved our humanity? The weakness of His humanity. God took on the weakness of humanity and it became displayed for the whole world in the cross. And then that humanity and weakness would be united to our humanity and weakness. And then his grace would be sufficient and his power, the power of holiness, the power of grace, the power of love, steadfast divine love, that will be made complete in us. And here's just the way I want to close this message. If you aren't sure how, because how is it going to be made complete in us? Well, first of all, you should need to just believe this. Just dare to believe this. And then stop just getting so anxious and so unhappy at your weakness. Instead, start thinking, maybe in my weakness is a chance to love somebody else in their weakness. And the weakness of my humanity will enter into the weakness of their humanity. Just as the God became a weak human being and entered into my life and united his humanity to me by love. And his holiness came to me by the bond of the Holy Spirit. So it's called the Holy Spirit because it's the holiness of Christ is always going to bond us to himself. And the Holy Spirit is going to take us a holiness to bond us the holiness of the humanity of heaven, not of dust. When you, in your weakness will dare to love somebody else in their weakness. And you believe that this is, what, this is the way, this is the way it's going to happen with Jesus. You just have to trust that you're doing this with Jesus. You will watch Jesus be Jesus. And they'll change. Because they'll meet God through you. So 13 sermons to get you to this so that revived church can be like this. So you and I will walk together in weakness and we'll be like, this is awesome. <laughs> We're always discovering Jesus' grace is more than sufficient for us. Revived church, I love you. Don't be afraid to let out your weakness. And... Um, you never have to be worried in front of me. We'll just be weak together. We could suck together. It's okay. We suck in our dustiness. And Jesus in his resurrection gives us his heavenly humanity. That's our church. It's going to be a great church. Let's pray. Lord, we're constantly trying to be like Adam. We look for the other versions of Adam 
that's got better boasts. In fact, those are our great examples. Steve Jobs, yeah, I want to be like him. He's brilliant, successful. Worshipped by everybody. He's got the best boast of all time. Somebody in our life is the Adamic, has the Adamic boast that we long for to cover up the nakedness of our souls. But Jesus, you came and you said, it's okay, I came to be weak so that my weakness will cover up your weakness. And our boast will only be you. That's our boast. Jesus, the man who is God, who is all-powerful, but thought, weakness is good. The grace of God is more than sufficient to take the weak humanity of Jesus and turn it to the heavenly humanity we all need. Lord, this is not an easy message. And this just tears at the depths of our souls. We are so utterly crazy backwards and wretched. And every day we wake up, we want to be like the devil. We want to be like some Adamic version of the boast. But I pray, I can't do this. No pastor can make this happen. I just have to be the crazy fool who preaches it. But that you, Lord Jesus, would you be Lord and King and the true human being, the last Adam, the true Adam of this church, of this church family, and pour out your spirit and by the Holy Spirit cause us to run after the true everlasting humanity of Jesus and seek your grace, utterly super sufficient in all our weakness. And we would see you, we would know you, we would all the more love you and love each other. In Jesus' name.